podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Whistleblowers is back for the season by Labrooks. Welcome to This is the Whistleblowers. I'm not Mark Webster, I'm Stuart Wright for my second show. And today I'm talking Spurs with uh, Andy Merriman. Hello, Andy. Hi there. And we've got a new voice on the show. We've got Talking Man City with Chris Howard. All right, Chris? Hello there, Stuart. And uh, just a little word from our sponsors. The Whistleblowers is back for the season by Lab Brooks. Bet £5, get £20. If you deposit £5, Lab Brooks will add another 20 to your account. You get this offer by following the link, bet.thewhistleblowers.net. So, moving house is said to be the uh, most stressful time of your life, Andy. Uh, <laughs> you're kind of like, your Spurs are not moving house as such, as we discussed in the pub there. They're football refugees while their house is getting built. So you've ended up in a temporary gaff at Wembley. Yeah, it's inevitable. I don't think there's any way around it for this one season. It's going to be difficult. I don't go with this Wembley voodoo or jinx. Um, I think last year, the Champions League games, they were overawed by the occasion. It all became too much. And how many people were going to get and all the flags and banners and hoo-ha. But actually against Chelsea, we played really well. Chelsea had two shots, they scored two goals. Um, we played some good football. And actually the width of Wembley should suit us uh, once we get going. Mm. You know, because everyone said, oh, the, the pitch is bigger and um, our pressing game won't work. But I think the problem against Chelsea was that missing Danny Rose, mm. which we, who we haven't well, had no, since be- January. Before we talk about the football, and obviously oh, it's, it's an inconvenience right. to Spurs, but... How does how does a trip to Wembley affect your day your weekly match routine? Is it easier, harder? It's harder because I live very close to White Hart Lane, ah. so it means you either got to take the car and go up above Wembley or find somewhere to park. And we got lost coming back. <laughs> Being a Londoner is very embarrassing. <laughs> um, I mean, there are more places to eat and drink, which is handy, um, and the atmosphere was actually good. I mean, the funny thing was I was looking around me to find this drum. You know, it, was, uh, it sounded like it was right behind me. I thought, Who, which Burks bought this drum to play? And it turns out it was a recording. Which, really? Which, yeah, apparently they had a recording of a drum playing over the Tannoy, which uh, at half-time FIFA or UEFA or the Football League said that's not allowed, and it stopped. Um, it didn't really make much difference to the atmosphere. The atmosphere was quite good, but I did wonder where this drum was coming from behind me. Um, I think we'll settle down. I think we'll, we'll you know... it. it I think the players will get used to it after a while. Um, and, you know, the crowd's going to be big. And it's just inevitable we have to do it for a year. The other ground is going to be ready on time. It's every couple of weeks you go last season and it was, being, it was getting bigger and bigger. It's going to be ready on time. and it'll, It's going to be quite a stadium, I think. So it's going to be a difficult season, I think, for us. Um, I think everyone knew that. But uh, it's what, you have to, what we have to do. Don't you think it's going to be inconvenient for a few clubs in London, though? You know, like West Ham and Crystal Palace. I mean, they don't know where Wembley is, do they? <laughs> yes. Well, let's hope so. Yes. I mean, there, there's talk, isn't there, that everybody who comes to Wembley will, will play better because it's a great occasion. They'll never get a chance to play at Wembley and they'll play out of their skins. But uh, I can't see that happening, really. Uh, I'm, I'm with you about West Ham, of course. Now, I know, I know, you, I know City was a permanent move, but do you, do you still hanker after Main Road or...? Oh, for sure. I mean, Main Road had a certain atmosphere. I mean, if the if the opposition wasn't intimidated, you know, coming through Moss Side, certainly the away fans were. Um, for for me, the Etihad has become slightly sanitised in terms of football. I mean, football should be watched, you know, 
in a ground surrounded by terraced houses and dark streets. Um, <laughs> so, it, you know, we've got this open sort of venue and we have match day sort of entertainment and, you know, fans, places, and, and, it, and it just feels wrong. If we'd have had the choice, like Tottenham, to be able to sort of evolve in our own environment in Moss Side, I, I think that would have been great, but it, it wasn't to be. We got Man United fans to fund the uh, stadium through the poll tax, as it was then. <laughs> so we can't argue that we got a wonderful stadium, you know, paid by about 10% of the people in Manchester who are Man United fans, because there's not that many more of them, uh, to be honest. So we, we, we were the benefactors of, um, the, of the Commonwealth Stadium, which was funded, you know, by the people of Manchester through their poll tax. And I, I still remind United fans today that, our presence at the Etihad is funded partly from their poll tax contributions, which doesn't go down too well, but <laughs> sure. it's um, always good fun. Now, I feel bad because the pair of you come on and, 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 and neither of you won this, this weekend, but uh, let's, let's, talk, let's talk about Spurs v Chelsea first. Um, it appeared to me that that was almost like the most ruthless I've ever seen Chelsea play in the sense that Spurs, Spurs had a lot of the ball, had a lot of play. At one nil, at one nil down, you were making all the play. So what what went on? Well, I think it, it was you know those games you go to and you have all the, we had twenty one shots. I think Chelsea defended valiantly from the beginning. They kind of they defended from the halfway line, which you could understand because they were missing quite a few players. Without any width, getting behind the Chelsea defence, we didn't create that many clear cut chances. Um, and I think that's the that is was the problem that we haven't got anybody that can t- to dribble to take on players to open up defences. You know our passing is fantastic and we played really well in in in, in spurts. Um, but Chelsea just defended and defended and they had two shots and they scored two goals. And the, the second, I think, once we were equalised, everyone was so relieved and you thought, great, we'll take a we'll take a draw here. Mm. But to give away the second goal was, you know, Wanyama, who last year was phenomenal just gave the ball away and Laurie's beaten at the near post and it was, it was one of those games. So, I mean, it was very disappointing, especially losing to Chelsea. Two, two players stood out for me. On, on your side, Deli Alley is, 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 is either mischievous or he's very skillful, one or the other. He'll buy you a foul near their goal, but he'll also, he's the guy who seems to be creating it. But on, on Chelsea's side, I felt like, I felt like, one, I didn't realise how fast William was. Oh, yeah. He, yeah. he seemed to be the fulcrum and the catalyst for the, for the counterattacks. Of course, the rumor is that he was having a medical at Tottenham and jumped off the jumped off the bed and went over straight over to Chelsea. Um, oh, really? That, yeah, we were going to sign him, so he's not very popular, and he's a very good player. And they've got pace, you know, mm. even without Pedro and, and Hazard. Um, and I think we miss, we know, we do, we did miss that Walker and um, and Rose. A Trippier wasn't really fit. I don't think he should have come back so soon. Mm. Um, but we and we've missed Rose since January. Um, that width that he gives us and, and going down the wing. But um, the defence is still pretty solid as ever. Really, Vertonghen and, and Alderweireld are fantastic. Mm. Um, so I'm, I'm, I think we'll bounce back with a good win against Burnley, and then this hopefully this. this Wembley jinx nonsense will be finished. Andy, do you, do you not think that Tottenham should have gone into the transfer market and bought a player that could carry the ball, could, you know, run 10, 15 yards into the opponent's box with the ball? I mean, we see Ed and Hazard do it all the time. I mean, and he, he's a unique player, but there are players around that Tottenham could buy that could actually, you know, pick the ball up inside the opponent's arm, maybe run 10 yards, open space up. 
and, and, and for my money, Tottenham have always been a very good team, but they've they've always, in the last couple of years, they could have won a trophy if they've had a player that that you know could have just been spontaneous and just worked at an angle into a box or. You know, yeah, I mean, I think ran past a player and opened things up, and, yeah. and you seem to miss that on Sunday. I think Nkudu was someone that they thought might do that. Who's that? Sorry? George Nkudu, who's yeah. a who, who's very quick, can beat players, but he hasn't really been injured. He hasn't really done much. I mean, I, I think they'll still bring players in. Levy likes to leave it very late. I don't think the transfer dealing is is, is finished at Spurs. Um, I don't think we need much, but I think you're right. We do need someone that can open up a defence because the part you can't always do it with passing. Um, yeah, I watched, um, ironically, I watched um, Spurs, I think it was the EDS team or whatever they call it, kind of, you know, young reserves. And there was a kid there who played for Tottenham last year called Samuel Sashuo, who's a young kid. I think he was on the bench for the last game of the season. And he's a very gifted player. And, you know, Tottenham's sort of ability to bring these young kids through, this this kid Sashuo looked, looked good on the ball right. and can really sort of travel within that final third he looked look really I good a, um, I think that's his name is another one very tiny little left footed player that can open up the fence and I think they're, they're a bit young at the moment the time will come like Carl Walker-Peters had a very good debut and he's been around a bit so I think at Tottenham they will bring them through Pox likes playing the younger players um, so you bring players through a bit like City do do you you sort of you know always nurturing young talent I think there are there, I think there yes I just say like that with City. a certain yeah, irony yeah, just sorry, like City sorry, yeah. <laughs> like Carl Walker yeah so, so moving moving up the up the uh, M6 uh, to, to City, um, Man City one red card one would seem to be the result, wouldn't it? How did you see the game from from? Well, I was there last night, and um, I thought that you know Kyle Walker had been been sent off actually for foul and abusive language or something because I, I didn't actually see any connection with the player. He sort of just backed into him and. I think one of the papers today that I was reading this morning had a freeze frame. And at the time that um, Calvert-Lewin goes down, he's almost not been touched. I mean, it was just... Brushed him, if anything. It wasn't great. And I'm not condoning it because I I felt like Aguero made the most of the tackle later on by Schneidlin. Mm. And I think Schneidlin got the ball. So the only thing I'd say about the game last night was that City had to play with 10 men for sort of 60 minutes and Everton had to endure that for only maybe five. Yeah. And and I think if we'd have had 11 versus 11 or we'd have, it would have been equal in terms of numbers, I think City would have won the game. I don't yes. think it would have been, you know, a, a sort of avalanche of goals, but I think City would have narrowly taken it. So I feel slightly aggrieved about refereeing decisions last night. I'm not honest. surprised. He, 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 I think it was because Walker looked at the, the looked at Calvin and he sort of the referee and then he went and then Calvin went down with the, holding his head. So the referee must have thought there's been an elbow or something, and he must have guessed, you know, he, because there was barely a touch between Walker and, and the, and the uh, Everton player. And then I think the ref did did equalise it with sending Schneiderlin off. But I did, I did think he tried to equalise it. In the second half, I, I actually thought City were awesome with 10 men. You know, they took the game back. Um, they really sort of, you know, moved the ball quickly, much quicker than they did at Brighton, um, put Everton under pressure. And then they bought, you know, Silver two on. And he looks like David Silver without the sort of shaved head. Yeah. Well, look, let's just <laughs> those two were, Those two in the second half were great. Mm-hmm. Let's just go for a break yeah. there.
The Whistleblowers is back for the season by Labrooks. I'm back to the show. So your your new your new silver then. He looked. Uh, he did look like. I mean, la- I don't know. Last week we did talk about the shock of seeing the lovely David Silver with no hair. Well, I mean, you know, he, I, I mean, you can't see me obviously online, but I think he's <laughs> obviously uh, he's been to the same barber as me, and he said I'll have a Chris Howard. Um, but David Silver, probably the best player who's ever played for Man City, if I'm honest. And lots of older folk who support City would say the same. Um, an unbelievable player. Him? Unbelievable. Wow. But we we actually are going to call Bernardo Silva gold because there's only one silver. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I, I, he looked great last night. I came on. He, he, was, he, wanted, he wanted the ball. He wanted the ball in difficult places. He wanted it with his bat to gold. He wasn't bothered about receiving it he was demanding the ball he was all over the pitch he had energy he looked fit he was he was inventive I mean you put those two players with De Bruyne in the same team as a sort of midfield three it looks really really exciting yeah I mean there was some criticism of Everton they had that playing at 10 men they didn't try and go on and win it but actually I didn't think they had a chance I think City played so well second half that uh, you couldn't really criticise Everton for yeah, De, Bru- De Bruyne carries himself doesn't he he's like, it, there's, there's a consummate calm to every moment he's <laughs> He goes into a tackle and comes out of it ice cold all the time. It's a scary squad, actually. Yeah, I mean, you know, the the two Silvers and and De Bruyne look like a real good unit. Raheem Sterling came on, a bit disappointed with his finishing. He took one goal well. I get the sense that he he needs too many chances to to score a goal. That's his, his slight problem. He's... He kind of doesn't look comfortable but in front isn't of the goal. True? He doesn't so, compose himself in front. Over of the goal. years of really fast wingers who who get past players so easily, and their final ball just doesn't work. I mean, Aaron Lennon was a prime example of that. I mean, you can name so many fantastically quick players that when it comes to the final ball, it doesn't always deliver. Um, I mean, but it was a good goal he scored last night, though. It was a good. Yeah, finish. but I mean, my dad has a theory about Raheem Sterling. The only time he finds a man from across is when he kicks it in the crowd. Um, <laughs> So, he's a goal for Rooney, though, eh? That must have made your heart sing. Yeah, lovely to see Wayne Rooney score a goal at City. Um, he got a bit of stick, but you know, to be fair to him, I thought he had a very strong game last night. I Wayne he Rooney, well. what, he looked fit. Apparently, he covered more kilo kilometers than than any, I, I, I was going to say kilos because he used to carry a lot <laughs> of them. But he, um, in terms of kilometers, apparently he, he did very well last night. He, he covered a lot of ground. Oh, yeah, I thought he played well. And the funniest thing today, someone tweet, tweeted a picture of two fans, City fans, giving him the two two fingers. At a match when he was playing for United three years ago, and the same two did it last night. They're still doing it, you know. <laughs> moved on very much, but I thought he played very well, actually. He did, and he, he kept the ball well. And you know, when he used to drop deep at United, there was a sense that he was trying to do too much from deep. He used to hit too many long balls. He was very good last night at just keeping the ball moving and keeping possession. And um, you know, he looked the real deal last night, to be fair to him. I, I hate to say it. But are, Everton, well. are Everton a team that you think can threaten the top four this season? Yeah, I mean, I got a lot of stick off United fans this morning because, you know, City, you know, God forbid, you know, the, the trophy gets handed out the second week of the season, according to most United fans. And I got a bit of stick about, you know, City dropping the points. But you've got to bear in mind, Everton are a very strong team. They've bought well, I think. They bought the player from Swansea. And I can see them doing really well and taking a lot of points off the top six and being a f- team that's 
on the periphery, maybe in the top five. And, you know, if City don't perform, if Arsenal don't perform, if Tottenham have a poor season because of the Wembley move, etc. I can see Tottenham maybe or Arsenal dropping out and Everton taking their place. I can see Arsenal dropping out. Yeah. Is that um, more of a hope? <laughs> no, I think it'll happen again. They, they were poor, weren't yeah, they? Yeah. Oh, I mean, oh, and, they, and also Stoke. I think Everton do need someone to replace Lukaku, don't they? Yeah. Um, now they've got Sigurdsson who can create an awful lot and, really, and, they, and, and their really, defence is good. There's goals been both of them. Really yeah. scored two goals in two games. Yeah. So, onto your favourite club, United. 100% record so far this season, but I guess... There's two thoughts here. This is, you know, Jose's favourite fabled uh, second season surge, or have they just not played anyone yet? Well, there is a theory that they've just played a pu- couple of pub teams at the minute. <laughs> so, um, and you know, they won the pub the, the pub subsidiary cup last year when they won the UEFA Cup. I mean, I, there was teams from places where they shouldn't be places really last year <laughs> that they played. I, I, you, you know, who cares? You, you know, it, it's it's like winning the sort of. Oldham Sunday League I'll have Cup. I tell you, I wouldn't really. mind. I've got to tell you. Most clubs don't actually want to play in that competition. Well, I know, we played Mourinho it accepted year. and acknowledged yeah. that it wasn't the competition that United should play in. And when it became the gateway to Europe, because they had such a poor Premier League season, it became, you know, the sort of Galactica Cup, didn't it? I mean, but it's it is quite embarrassing you can get, really for them. You can get knocked out of the Champions League and go into the UEFA. But do you, I mean, I mean just, just, just on a more serious note, though, do you think that... What 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 Jose Mourinho's done with the players he's bought, like Lukaku and Matic, is he's bought players to help him beat the teams in the bottom thirteen. In a sense, last year they they were, they went toe to toe with the top six and they did all right. You know, they no, they, I'm a they bit didn't more, really. I'm worried they, about. They, they, they parked the bus a lot. I mean, no, true, yeah. but but, but, they, but then thirteen other teams they were drawing with, and that was where they that was where their problem lay. I think he's bought well, and I, I am a bit worried about them. I think there's a lot of pace and power in that team. Um, so I think United. I'm afraid to tell <laughs> to say. I think yeah, they're going to they're, they're going to no, be up there. Bought, well, he's bought a couple of good players. Um, you know the big myth that you know United's team. You know all grew up in the Greater Manchester district. They're all young lads from Manchester. I mean, it's complete nonsense, isn't it? And we all know that they've spent big, big, big. And you know, Lukaku seventy-five to hundred million, whichever whoever you believe. Pogba hundred and ten. You know they've spent. spent so they've spent. It's a project they've spent to regain the Premier League. I think that teams like Liverpool and Tottenham will outpass them. I think City will outpass them, and I think this year when they're a bit more adventurous and they're a bit more open against the top five clubs, Arsenal included, I think they'll they'll come unstuck. And it's okay beating a pub team two weeks into the league, but nobody hands out a trophy in August. So you think you think that you think the the, the park and the bus strategy is is a busted flush for this Premier League? I think they'll open up a bit and I think that United will suffer a bit from being a little bit more open and trying to win games. I wonder if they will because Mourinho of course isn't, is famous for not doing that isn't he? And yeah. Being, and being up and closing it down. Um, and Matic will close games down and he'll be you know like a spider intercepting stuff and he causes he breaks down a lot of opponents moves Matic but I, I, I kind of feel that if United open up People will pass it around, around them, and it'll, it, so the horse is running free. It could be their downfall. Do you think? Yeah, could fall if, if they if they play with a bit more freedom, you know, against teams like City, they came to City last year and it was embarrassing for a Manchester United team that you know is renowned for playing open, adventurous football. It's probably one of the most defensive displays I've ever seen at Same the Etihad. Mm. Now, at, at the other end of the at the other end of the table. 
Rafa Benitez is having a is having a mare with um, with Newcastle. And it's you could argue it's almost like it's almost like normal service resume for the poor fella. He's at odds with his own club. He wants money for transfers. It doesn't look like did he's he, going to get them. Did he really think Mike Ashley was, yeah, was going was to come up? With, I mean, I, he, I've got a bit bought... of sympathy with Mike Ashley. He gave a great interview to Sky and he said, I'm not a liquid guy who's got a lot of money to throw at football. I've got a lot of money on paper, but... He's managing to buy a bit of Debenhams, though, isn't he? Newcastle has to be <laughs> self-sustaining. And, and it's, I think it's different investing in your business where you've got a five-year view on, on, on the capital investment. I think investing in a football club where it takes a lot of real money now, given the transfer market, I, I, I've got a bit of sympathy with him. What Newcastle deserve is, a, is, a, you know, is an investor that can really sort of fulfil the ambitions of what are fantastic fans. What in Newcastle, you mean? Yeah, but then, but then that's because it's it struck me that that what Mike Ashley was doing was was providing the counterpoint, and it's almost like you're having a public debate with your own manager when we know he's not Abu Dhabi or Qatar, I mean, and that's that's not an Ashley, argument, is it? Did Ashley promise lots of money yeah. to spend? Yeah. I mean, and, and if so, did Benitez really believe him? I mean, that's the crux, isn't it? Yeah. You know, if, if he comes in and says, I mean, Ashley says, well, I'm not going to invest very much, get on with it. It's one thing, but I bet he didn't. I bet he didn't. He probably uh, thinks Denim, Debenhams are two twin fullbacks. You know, I I think Mike Ashley's quite a canny guy. I've got a bit of sympathy with him, and I think he's, I think he's reasonably sort of well disposed to an investor. And if somebody came in with the right investment, I think he would transfer some of the ownership and governance from Newcastle, and he'd be quite receptive to an investor. That's that's my view. Having watched the interview, I think it's. He gets a bit of a bad press. Newcastle fans hate him, don't they? Yeah, well, they, they, that's been from the get-go, hasn't it, though? Yeah. But then the, the other two promoted sides, you've got basically Taylor two teams, haven't you? You've got Brighton, who can't get arrested, and Huddersfield, two for two. Yeah, I like Huddersfield. They're a nice club, and they've, they've done well. How long they'll keep it up? I mean, you always, you always get a promoted club that does very well, don't you, at the beginning, and then something, things go Yeah, I seem to remember Hull having a kind but, of explosive you know, start one yeah. season. Uh, and... and and Chris Hughton, the nicest man in football, everyone says. Um, but whether how, how long they're going to last, I don't know. Um, but Huddersfield, you know, two out of two, can't, can't do much yeah, more than that. we played Brighton the first game and they defended very well. Um, they were compact. You had a sense that they felt that going past their own halfway line with the ball would cause cancer amongst the crowd. They, they didn't tend to sort of be very adventurous. And I, I kind of feel that if they... If they go forward and 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 open up again, that they could get picked off. So they'll they'll have to keep it very tight, and they'll have to really sort of pick their games that they try to win. Well, I suppose yeah, you don't want to be stuffed. Do you kind of six or seven nil the first game? You just want to <laughs> a gracious defeat and not be adventurous. But I mean, a lot of teams. I don't know what it's like at City, but at White Hart Lane, a lot of teams came to defend. You know, and weren't adventurous, didn't want to get beaten by much. Well, um, City didn't last year. They were wide open, I think, you know. Mm, it was mm. slightly embarrassing. That could have been a, a real defeat at Tottenham last year. I went to the game and Tottenham we played really, really well. played yeah. fantastically yeah. well and could have scored more goals. So uh, Tottenham, going back to their, you know, changing ground, that's a very intense ground, White Hart Lane, and it's quite compact and you press City so well whether you'll be able to do that with Wembley. I was looking at the dimensions of Wembley and I think it's an extra three yards long and an extra two yards wide. And that 10 yards of space on a football pitch can make a difference against 
teams who you know who will, who, who need a, who, and players who require a bit more space. Well, we're all going to need a bit more space for the next podcast. So that's been the whistleblowers. This is a playback media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at thewhistleblowers.net. Give software vendor audits the red card by signing up the Livingstone Managed Service Team right away. Call 0203 817 4880 or visit livingstone-tech.com to find out how. The Whistleblowers is back for the season by Labbrooks. Sports Social Podcast Network.